0: Each week, um, when I stand up, there's going to be others. Don't worry, you're not going to have me now and forever. You're going to have other speakers. But each week I get up, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. Somebody pray for the word and for us to receive the word. So I'm going to do that now and it's going to be um, every week. So come prepared. If you're not accustomed to that and you would like to pray out um, spontaneously in that way, then feel free to do that. Um, So if somebody, just one person would pray for us um, as I bring God's word uh, to each and every one of us. So somebody pray, please. give us open hearts and a to hear your word and your truth. Amen. 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 Thank you. <clears throat> We're touching on Genesis 3, so if you want to open your Bible to Genesis 3, um, I invite you to do that. Um, I don't know about you, but One thing I didn't notice before as a Christian, some of you may have been brought up in a Christian family, have known nothing more than being in the presence of God in that context. But some of us who haven't um, can sort of testify that um, there was a time when when I did not know the Lord and I did not know the schemes of the devil. Um, And as I am growing as a Christian, I've started to learn how to discern some of that and I don't get it right every time but I can testify this week alone the devil entered into our family um, in a very uh, deceptive, which is obvious, way and uh, we have to learn to equip ourselves for such a time as that and for the next two or three weeks we're going to be looking at um, self-preservation, keeping ourselves safe against the enemy, against the, the devil's schemes. So um, this week, um, I don't think my family really noticed it, but something went wrong. We allow somebody into the home who we know very well, who who clearly doesn't know the Lord and has no interest in the Lord, but know that we love the Lord. Um, So um, something... Blew up in that not not explosion in terms of like dynamite or electricity or anything, but um, it got it kicked off so to speak. That phrase kicked off um, in in the house, and the devil got in, and um, we were able to deal with it in a way that um, brought peace back into the home. Now I don't know if you can uh, relate to that at all. Um, something like that happens. Um, it often happens between um, often, very rarely. Often that doesn't really make sense, does it? But um, between me and my wife, you know, the devil gets in because the devil loves to wreck relationships. That's the, the new agenda that we're looking at in Genesis three. The the, the relationship wrecker, if you like. Um, now. What I, what I said um, uh, last week, I think, was to the second service, and I forgot to say it to, to this service, is testimonies is, are really powerful. So if you have a testimony, not of what the devil's done by any means, we don't want to give him the glory in any shape, form or other, but what God is doing, how you've overcome, how you've seen God's hand at work, God's glory come through. If you've got a testimony and you'd love to share it with the church, I would really encourage you to come and speak to myself or one of the leadership team so that we can and um, um, plan that into a service that's uh, right, so we can share life together. Because um, as we share scripture together, it is about sharing life together, as Bonhoeffer wrote some years ago whilst in concentration camp. So here we are, we're on Genesis chapter 3. Um, we, know that, we know the story very well um, and I'm sure um, you've read it over and over again. But we're on this journey where we've travelled through a little bit, glided through really, flown through um, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, looking at our identity and responsibility and ownership in our relationship with God and all that he has created. Now, depending on what version you follow, the, the headings could vary. So the NRSVA says the first sin and its punishment. Uh, the NCV uh, says the beginning of sin as it's up there, the fall is the NIV, the man and woman sin, the NLT, and the human disobedience, the good news, and then the temptation and fall of man in the New King James. So it's about for me, how did it all go wrong? I don't know if you've ever been in that place in your life where things are going really well and you think, yeah, this is good, this is good. Then all of a sudden it takes a nosedive and you think, how did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong? Why is my child being disobedient to me? Once upon a time, they could they could wait to help Hoover in the house with their pretend little Hoover. Why do they make pretend little Hoovers? Why don't they make real living toy Hoovers so they can actually pick up the rubbish off the floor rather than pretend that they're making a big difference? I don't get that. But you know, where did it all go wrong? My child used to say, used to agree with everything I said, and now they don't. But what happened? I was the fountain of all knowledge once upon a time and now I know nothing, as if I've never lived. What, where does it all go wrong? And this is the challenge that the people of Israel were trying to work out. Some years down the line, they're ca- caught in captivity and they're going, where did it all go wrong? And they start to look at how they, these other nations um, worship God's and it was, pl- um, plural, gods. It was because um, they were male and female gods. And then they started to get an insight to who God is. Had no gender. God, the sovereign, supreme creator of everything. The God who had no equal. There was nobody that could match God. God was not at War with himself, the gods of the Babylonians started off with being at war with each other and being at odds with each other. But the God of Israel was nothing like that. But there still is this big problem of one and two being a, chapters one and two being the most idyllic scenario we could ever imagine of the garden, the place where we we could just thrive, and then. Sin enters in and it all starts to go wrong. The new agenda of Genesis chapter 3. First of all, chapters 1 and 2 is the new beginning of life and relationship with the sovereign supreme God. Chapter 3 then enters another new beginning of where separation from God and self, complete self-dependence enters in. Now, I've always considered myself quite a dependent person. I, was, um, I left home, first, first time I left home, I was five years old. I'd had enough. My mum just didn't get it. So I packed a tin of beans in my little bag and I walked off. I got to as far as the shops and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to cope. (laughs) So I went back home. The second time I left home, I was 15. I got into a lot of trouble, and I mean a lot of trouble, and I needed to run away because I couldn't cope with the consequences of the trouble. And I ran away to London with a mate of mine called Lee. And we had great plans. We were going to go to London um, because we lived in Bracknell at the time. We're going to go to London and we're going to make life work. We're 15. We know everything, right? So there's nothing anybody can teach us. And we went round to see Lee's nan because we were hungry. She lived in London. And while we were sitting there, unbeknown to us, she would rung Lee's dad up. And uh, by the time we would finished eating dinner, Lee's dad turned up and took us home. We got into a lot of trouble. The third time I got kicked out, age 17, that was absolutely devastating. We got this story of being expelled from this garden. How would that have felt? I can only get as close as my own testimony of 17 years old where I was chucked out of the family home. And even when I went up to my, two, well, I've got four sisters, but two sisters I met um, and I went up to them and they looked at me and they just turned their back on me and refused to talk to me. I don't know if you've ever had that, but that hurts, doesn't it? That, that soul destroying so I can only imagine what it must have been like in this, in this story that we have. Now, again, how we read this story is really important to us and our relationship with God. Let's, be, let's keep that in mind. It's about our relationship with God as an individual, but also as a collective, as a, as a body, as a people. And, and it's beautiful to have different versions. Let me read a version uh, to you of a little lad that was try, is trying to get his head around chapter 3 um, of Genesis. The story of Adam and Eve was being carefully explained in the children's Sunday school class. Following the story, the children were asked to draw some pictures that would illustrate the story. Little Bobby, he's always called Bobby, was most interested and drew a picture of a car with three people in it. In the front seat, behind the wheel, was a man, and in the back seat, a man and a woman. The teacher was at a loss to understand how this illustrative um, le- um, illustration would explain the story of Adam and Eve. But little Bobby was prompt with his explanation. Why, this is God driving Adam and Eve out of the garden, because he drove them out of the garden. (laughs) Wherever you are in that story, in that account uh, that we have in Genesis 3, the reality is sin is in the world, okay? Um, we we can't disagree with that. Somewhere along the line, love has gone wrong, and it's it's a mess, and we're we're left with trying to work our way through it. So let's look at the first seven um, verses. I hope you don't mind that picture. It was of a sort of sort of a naked woman, but um, um, I hope that's not too um, too um, um, offensive in any way. It wasn't meant to be. The serpent. Um, verses one to seven. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made, which is an interesting debate, which we're not going to go there today, I'm afraid. We haven't got time. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, If I were to ask you, what would you say is the modern day tree of the knowledge of good and evil? If you want to put your hand up and say, feel free. It's not a trick question by any means. Um, I was reflecting on this for this week, obviously. Um, So, yes, Mark? Mark? Television, yeah. You know, I think. Well, I once preached that that was the the new cross in our homes. Once upon a time, the cross or the Bible was the significant feature in our homes. TV is. And how many times have you been round to visit somebody and have a conversation with them, and they got the TV going? You know, they're just blaring on. It's in every culture. I've met with many different cultures, and the TV's just on. Does my head in. But anyway, so if I come round, you know, if you've got the TV on, you know it's doing my head in. I probably won't say turn it off, but that, just in case you want to respect me. <laughs> Any others? Internet. Sorry? Internet. Who said internet? Yeah. The internet. The World Wide Web. You know, um, children are, are growing up in it, obviously. They're growing up um, in, in the ability to access it in ways that you and I would not even attempt to access um, you can just type in one word, you know, you can, you've got to be careful with typing in one word because all kinds of stuff will, will appear. Now, um, one of the things um, June and I have had to learn um, because we foster, so. I need to say that because it's likely that we could turn up with some more children. and You might think they're our grandchildren um, and let you know we foster. So one of the things I've had to learn is, is the internet world and the social media world. It is a nightmare. So I, I've managed to learn how to keep my children safe on my mobile phone. I know when they go on the internet. I know how much time they've been on there. I know what websites they've been on. Obviously I can block and secure it. And there, there is a whole method of, of protecting one another in this um, new uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the internet, which is a beautiful thing. I love the internet. I'm not saying we shouldn't have it. I'm not saying it is the devil at work. I'm saying it can be misused and the devil can creep in and therefore get our children or ourselves into a real mess. And that's not God's way. Because what do we learn about the serpent? What is it we need to understand? <clears throat> well, the, the word, the Hebrew word, is Nahish. Um, it's it's spelled nachesh nachesh nachash but it's pronounced nehesh. it's in, as a noun it's it's the word snake as a verb it's to practice divination and um, deception as an adjective it's a shining or polished um, as in hanesh the shining one which um, then gives us a picture of Lucifer in Isaiah 14, verse 12. Um, this is the shining one, the one that shines, the illuminous one. Um, the, so, and the literal meaning for that is Lucifer. Um, but we're not going to go down that route this morning um, as much as I'd like to. There's more to say on that. But I want to keep us back on track of what do we need to understand? What do we need to learn about the, the serpent, We are told in verse 1 that he's crafty, um, unholy, seeks to trick, a trickster, questions what the woman had really heard from God. Have you ever had that? Did God really say that? Did God? I remember when I felt called into ministry. I was never called into youth work, although the Lord really did richly bless it, but I was called to be um, a minister, to be a community pastor. Where where and when that would happen, that was God's business. But I still had those times. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what you're called to? Because you haven't got an education background. You were kicked not just kicked out of home, but you were kicked out of school. Um, I was a bit of an Asbo child. Um, I loved to get into trouble. Um, Then as I became a Christian, I realised it wasn't I loved to get into trouble. I just misunderstood and misdirected, and the people around me didn't utilise the potential in me. So I passed the blame, a bit like um, Eve passing the blame to Adam. So we need to learn that the questions that come against what God has said is the way of the the, the serpent. Serpent was the first to lie. You know, one lie builds another lie and another lie. I, I, I taught myself to... Believe my own lie. That's what a liar is good at doing. That's what the devil seeks to do, is to convince the liar that their lie is truth. Um, And on that basis, you're really hard to win. Um, Serpent's second lie in verse 5, so first four four and five are the first two lies. Um, The temptation to look, look at that tree. It is awesome it's beautiful, it's lovely, verse 6. And then they stepped over that looking. Uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor teaching about relationships and um, I got some teaching from Mike Pivolacci who talked about the f- cake in the fridge. You know, um, the cake in the fridge. Um, if you know it's in the fridge. You know that something there is good and it, it looks good, it appeals to you, but you know you shouldn't eat it. You know you shouldn't touch it. You know, you shouldn't look at it, so don't open the fridge. Because the minute you open the fridge, who remembers the, R oh, White's lemonade? And he sneaks down in the middle of the night to open the fridge and get a drink of, R oh, White's lemonade. You know, it's that kind of scenario. Um, the, once the eyes see it, the body starts to desire it, which is, again, a tactic. Uh, sorry, I, where am I? Eight. Um, so, um, so they ate, stepped over the boundary of God's best for them, Sin then gets passed on from, from Eve to Adam. The serpent doesn't really um, sin. The serpent, well, lying starts off, but he teases, he tempts us. And then we enter into that world of destruction. Shame and guilt comes upon us and separation begins, the new agenda. A discussion about God, not with God. So instead of going to God, you know, sometimes... Who, The the devil's good at getting into churches. And one thing I I, I want to encourage us as we travel along, and uh, I do some more teaching on this uh, in a couple of weeks, is um, when we say, and when we go up to somebody, said, Oh, have you heard about so and so? Or that person. That is a dangerous starting point. The best the scripture tells us go to that person if there is an issue, if there is a problem. Go to that person. Start with that person. Now, Eve had a problem. The serpent was tempting her and teasing her, and she engaged in conversation. She'd lost the plot. She'd gone down a route, a mind route, that she shouldn't have done. She should have stopped and gone, God, what, what's going on here? And engaged in conversation with God. Well, she was in the garden, so she could have had that conversation. And now the threat of death started to cloud over her. Death should not be used as a threat, but a boundary to life. God wasn't using that concept of, if you do this, Surely you shall die was not a threat. You know, I don't know about the punishments that you've put in with your children over the years. One of the things I've learned is just be careful what punishment I'm setting my children. You know, um, just be careful. So when I, when I ban their phone or, 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 or internet or whatever it is, um, I make it very clear that there's no line. It's not for a day, it's not for a week, it's not for a month, it's not for a year. It's as long as I decide, (laughs) you know, so I leave it open because I want them to redeem themselves. I want them to learn and understand how to turn it around um, and not give a closed window. And and sometimes um, I've been in in, in environments where people have posed a sanction upon a child for punishment or another adult, um, but they can't deliver it, they can't live up to it. So be careful what you threat. You know, if you're going to say, right, I'm not going to let you out of the house for the next month, bear in mind you've got to put up with them for the next month. All right? <laughs> so be careful um, in the punishment one sets. That's not just to parents, that's to each other as well. So um, death should not be... The, the last point is the serpent made death as a primary human agenda and this was never God's human agenda now death isn't it interesting one rule in genesis 2 one rule got broken moses comes along starts a new movement of setting the people free taking the people out of slavery and they wanted some rules they wanted some rules to govern themselves and moses goes to the mountain he comes down with another 10 rules so now they broke one but they got a new set of 10 And over the years, through Leviticus and the the laws, uh, how many rules did they have? 613. And they broke those. And Jesus comes along. And what does Jesus say? Is it up there? There it is. In Matthew's uh, Gospel. When... The Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. (laughs) You see how the devil uses God's people to uh, allow um, this, this destruction of relationships. Verse 36. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first of all commandments. And the second one, verse 39, is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All And still we get it wrong. Still 2,000 years on, we have division among us and, and the devil's wrecking relationships between us. And we wonder why we can't just get on with stuff. Get on with sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, proclaiming that they are saved through him if they come and repent and recognise their need of him. I want to get, I don't know about you, but I just want to get out there and let people know the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't you? I don't really want to get involved in all the politics and and the differences and the difficulties, but that is life. We can't ignore it. We can't disregard it. We've got to honour it and seek to bring the glory of God in and through it. Now, some people are bent over in their own personal agenda. When they're lost in their personal agenda, you're never going to solve the problem. You can do your best, but at the end of the day, what really matters in our hearts? What really counts in our hearts? And all of us have got a wealth of experience of the complications of church life, ministry, mission and maintenance. I remember taking uh, an incoming uh, minister around... um, a church that I was the youth pastor of, and um, it was a Methodist circuit, so I was um, showing him all the other chapels. And it's interesting, it got me really to think about this when he said it, he goes, Look, I'm not interested, because I was showing him the buildings, I said, oh, this building's falling apart, and blah, 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 blah. And um, <coughs> he said, I'm not interested in maintenance, I'm only interested in ministry and mission. And I thought, well, yeah, yeah I, I get that, but you can't have ministry and mission without maintenance. You can't have a happy home and a thriving home and thriving family if you're not looking after the everyday stuff. We all know that. It makes sense. So you can't have maintenance without um, um, mission and ministry. Because I remember going to, <coughs> when I was studying... In, uh, in Regent's Park and uh, we had um, invited a load of evangelists to come and uh, see what we do and um, uh, we had this seminar and we like to get into theological discussions and, and have a real meaty healthy argument that caused a bit of friction but um at lunch we would sit and we would make amends and you know sort ourselves out and this young lass who was in her 20s who was an evangelist very good evangelist and she said i can't be doing with all that stuff that you guys do i can't be doing with all that stuff in churches i just want to share the good news and i'll pass them over to you <laughs> and i thought well you, you're missing the point it you know these are cogs in the whole mechanism of church and they're they're all valid and they've all got a role to play and they're not in isolation to one another one another they've all got to fit and we've got to d- discern a model that works because what happens with churches they get so far and they stick where they are because this is what we like and behold anybody that tries to change it we will dig our heels in well whose side Are we really on when we get to that? Whose side are we really on? Let's move on. In um, our, um, we're not going to go through every verse in Genesis. One, because we haven't got time, Um, and two, I keep going off track, so I do apologise. Verse eight and nine. um, God inquires of us, comes looking for us in our sin. Says. They heard the sound of the Lord, verse 8, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Sounds idyllic, doesn't it? That evening breeze in the garden. God comes looking for us. Wow, I I want to be found. Do you want to be found? I want to be found every single moment of my life. That just warms my heart. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I don't know um, what experience you may have, but June used to say to my children, you wait till your father gets home. (laughs) So I come home and I say, right, you deal with them. You deal with them. They've been a pain in the neck all day. And I come home, I'm the big bad guy. I'm the policeman now. I'm not the father, I'm the enforcer. And I had to work my way through that, particularly when I became uh, a follower of the Lord, our children, when I became a Christian, um, our children were um, Craig was three, um, and um, Nikita was five, we just had two then. And I just became a Christian then. So things changed because I was a bit of a jack- the-lad and I thought I knew it all and, and everything. And then I was very anti-Christian. So a massive big turnaround, and I had to reevalue my, my values and my ethoses of what it meant to be a human. Um, But this idea of hiding from God, you know, we we do, I do believe we hide from God. Um, People do things in secret um, because they can. Um, And um, whether you use God as an excuse, well, God loves me anyway, or I can always get forgiveness anyway. um, Yes, that's true. (laughs) That is very true. But it wrecks you and the, 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 the Ten Commandments or the laws aren't there to make us feel rubbish or sinful. It's to say, look, it wrecks your relationship with God. And that's the new agenda in chapter 3. That's the devil's scheme. That's the, the Satan, the serpent, uh, whatever language you want to use, whatever um, idea you have. The, the point is it wants to wreck our relationship, first of all, with us and the Lord. And then he can get into all of our other relationships. So when our relationships are going wrong, when they once were good, we have to ask ourselves, what, what's gone wrong? What's, what went wrong? And Israel's trying to understand what went wrong. Where did it all begin? In verse 8, the Lord is looking for his people. The Lord heard, um, they heard their Lord coming. They hid themselves, ashamed of their disobedience and fearful of their knowledge and lack of trust. Our Charlie once um, got really upset He heard some news. He heard June talking to one of our children. And he overheard that conversation because it was on loudspeaker, so it wasn't his fault. And he got really upset, and he was really tearful. And um, we said, what's up, mate? And he goes, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I'll get in trouble. I'll get in trouble. And he was tears down his eyes. And we had to coax him into this room. reality that you will not get in trouble because now we're concerned he's got he's holding something that's going to destroy him so when he told us what he'd heard it was sad that he heard that news but we commended him for being honest about what he'd heard because he didn't know what to do with that and that's what happens with a lot of us we get this knowledge and we don't know what to do with it um and and where do we take it how do we deal with that how, what does it do to us In our relationship with ourselves and the Lord. Because then it affects our relationship with with others. And we cannot be condemned by God. Particularly if we say, look, I've done. I know. I've got this hanging over me. I've been living with this. Whatever that is. Verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? As if God can't see us. Where are you? I don't know if that rings for you. God's saying to you, where are you? Where are you in everything? In who you are? In the things that you um, are pri- priority to you? Where are you? What does it mean to you? What's it doing to you? Verse 10. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, says Adam. He goes to Adam first. And I was afraid. And I was naked. And I, I hid myself. Verse 11. God says, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? You were naked before, and now you're, you're still naked, but you didn't know nakedness before. <clears throat> Have you eaten? Doesn't accuse. Doesn't condemn. He, he inquires, he engages in conversation. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Verse 10, the focus becomes I. The focus becomes I. Me. I was afraid. I was hurt. They did it to me. I'm the victim here. Now, we've got to be careful. I don't want to go to the other extreme where nobody's a victim. Of course, people are victims of of awful things and that needs to be dealt with. But there's a danger with sin, is the I in sin, it all becomes about I. And when we get solely on that, you're never going to break free if you hold on to that I above everything else. Because God wants to take that I away and replace it with he can get you through. He can work this through with us. We have the first recording of a trial. God questions the human actions, doesn't accuse. When we fail to trust God, our answer often is I. It all becomes about me. Well, the church doesn't understand me. The church hasn't done this. And the problem with the church... Hands up if anybody's ever heard the problem with the church. Right. Well, if you've ever heard anybody say that and heard yourself say that, remember you're saying, the problem with me is because you are the church as well. You are part of the church. You are a cog in the whole mechanism. The blame train begins. The blame chain or train, whatever. I wasn't quite sure what word to use there. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me that fruit from the tree and I ate it, didn't I? (laughs) It was her fault. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, But the serpent tricked me, and I ate it. God asked the man, What have you done? The man blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) You probably heard it. I know it's a bad joke, but we need to laugh in the face of evil. You know that in Simba in A Lion King? I laugh in the face of danger. And then he gets scared when the hyenas come out. You know? um, I love that song, History Maker. Um, we, um, we, 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 um, what's the word? Um, we go to places, or words to the effect of, we go with angels' fear to tread. We we are sent to go to places where angels fear to tread. There's a wonderful book, um, I can't remember the author, it's called Angels on the Wall. A wonderful story of how a vicar stands against the evil around him and changes the atmosphere. And that's what we're called to do, to bring a new attitude, a new atmosphere to wherever we go. Because we are to laugh, not to underestimate the schemes of the devil, but to laugh in the face of the evil one because we are saved we are more than conquerors the scripture says hold on to that we have all the resources from heaven to address all the sin that tries to enter in I didn't even know the devil was trying to get at me until I became a Christian and then things you know what since I've been here I've had two parking issues already right I've I've got a letter through my my door a fine of 50 pounds if I pay now or 100 pounds if I don't pay by a certain time Um, and I thought How did I get that? I made sure I paid. And they've even got a photograph of my ticket on my dashboard to say that I've paid for my ticket. They've sent it in there. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? So obviously I've got to deal with that. And then I park outside somebody's house where there's no lines whatsoever. It's on a housing estate. And I go and visit a couple of members from the church and they get a knock on the door. Whose car is that? (laughs) Can you move it? I lived there, when there was no sign, there was no drop, curb, there's nothing. I'm thinking, goodness me, I, there are only a little attacks. I'm not over um, spiritualizing it by any means. But you know, sometimes you wonder, what's going on here? What's really going on? When, when you're so strong for the Lord, you're at your most vulnerable. You're at your most vulnerable. When you're not in a good place, the devil loves it and leaves you there. He's very happy. And we've got to be careful when we're in our most vulnerable um, that we don't allow um, ourselves to miss or misdiscern what the devil's planning to do because he will be planning something conversation over accusation this is God's way to to engage in conversation with us rather than to blame right now I'm going to have to skip because it is 10 o'clock and I don't want to upset you all too soon um, into my walk as loads there that I could say but I'm going to skip on from that really um, so um, let's see what uh, PowerPoint I'm going to go to <coughs> oh, that's it oops Going too fast. Okay, so we live in a world that's gone wrong. This is a new agenda. The enemy wants to rip our relationship apart with God because he knows it'll rip all the other relationships apart and causes absolute chaos and <coughs> devastation. My question is where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in the, in the attacks of the enemy? Where are we as a church to move forward in any capacity? Um, we've got to make sure that we're not leaving any room for the Satan to have um, its way among us. And um, I'm going to invite the band. If they can get into their battle stations, that would be really good. Because um, um, we're going to do battle um, this morning, those that feel that they need to and would like to. a um, piece of paper is available for you um, and you can just leave them blank if you like or you can write on there anything that you feel um, has got a hold on your life or that you haven't dealt with. Maybe you've dealt with everything. Praise the Lord. If that's you, that's fine. You don't, you don't need to do a response if you don't want to. Um, you don't have to write on it. You can just mentally write on there anything that you want to get rid of. Write it on there and then just it up as we just take the last uh, few minutes to respond to God, to anything we believe. Um, Maybe there was lies spoken in. I had lies spoken over me when I was a youngster. Um, A lot of lies. And I I couldn't deal with those until I found myself um, entering into a relationship with the Lord. And even today, I I get lies spoken over me. Um, About five months ago, somebody um, um, wished I was dead. And and, and they were just in such a desperate place, they they found hatred um, rising to the top of their agenda and they they cursed me with the um, 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 Sophia and and Ananias situation. And I had to rebuke that, I had to refuse it. Um, I had to remove it from me. So the invitation is for you to remove, to refuse, to rebuke any lies over you or any holds over you Anything, whatever you're doing in secret, that you know you shouldn't be doing. doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you've realised you've sinned, and you think, I, I, I've asked for forgiveness. But have you let go? Maybe, um, maybe you've got an object in the home or on your body that was from a former relationship that wasn't great. Maybe you need to let go of some stuff in the home. I, when I became a Christian, one of the first things I did was jump on my, um, my, a lot of my videos that um, I used to love. I used to think I was a bit of a gangster. That's what it was. And I had to get rid of all those objects in my house so that I could remove that from my my whole being. It no longer had any um, relevance in my life. It was no longer something that defined me. And this is what the devil does. He speaks lies over us and puts curses and holds on us And we pass them on to other people if we're not careful. And the invitation is, during the worship, um, is just to come here to the cross. You know, that prayer that prayed earlier, you know, just surrender all to the cross. Surrender all. Um, Because Jesus um, takes it for us. We have to put it in the abyss. The Old Testament talks about the Sheol, the, the nothingness, the emptiness, the, the, the void, the blackness, the, 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 the big hole, the abyss. And in a sense, this black bag represents that abyss. And if you want to put that in there, what, we, what we're going to do at the end, right at the end, we're going, to, we're going to bind it up. We're going to tie it up. All of that, um, what you're putting in here, um, we, I've put something in there um, for me, um, And and we're going to bind it up. Now, the the temptation of giving stuff to Jesus and to take it away, to cleanse us, to purify us, to redefine us, is that sometimes we try to open that bag again um, because God allows us to do whatever we want to do. He allows us to go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil whenever we feel tempted um, because he wants our faith to triumph over the stuff in this world. So whether you are seeing things on the internet that you shouldn't do, whether you have got a temper, whether you um, don't give too much thought to the way you speak to other people, whatever it is, however big or however small it is, the invitation is to come and to refuse it, to rebuke it, and to have it removed so God can continue to do great works in you which he began from the beginning of creation. Let us just take this moment...